Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Take me to the volcano! It's really called this. You have to ask for the vinegar with the mother in it. Oh, come on. Quick I quick. need no. Seriously. Maybe that thousand beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Coming to you live from Blue Haven in New York City, episode number 145, live at Blue Haven, not from Blue Haven, because Saturday Night Live does that. We are here at Blue Haven. We're here for episode number 145, and it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampy, New York Sports Talk podcast and stuff. Hi. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 All right. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, let's bring in the host, the co-host. We have a couple of friends here. We have a full bar. We have the NBA Finals Game 7 tonight. That's going on later here in the bar. It's a great scene here, Josh. Josh, give me the thumbs up. I'm ready to shoot the scene, Josh. Right here. State of California, what do you mean? I'll shoot the scene. Uh, we have some friends out here uh, with us. Let's welcome in the co-host of the program. He is uh, direct from an invasion... <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing double duty. We have no PJ tonight, so I'm doing I'm just Kel. Uh, buttons. I'm hitting things. Let's hit this one. Not like the 
Broadcast live from there. You'll get no <laughs> argument from the Taekwondoist. <laughs> but there's such a thing? I don't know. Do they have those? All right, we're going to talk about the, the Mets, the Jets, the Giants, the Yankees, uh, all sorts of. Why are we talking about parts. the Giants? Because Hakeem Nix. Oh, right. There. Yes. There is news. And uh, Victor Cruz signed his tender. You're right. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You're right. David Wright has two home runs tonight. Spoiler alert. Oh. Yep, two home runs. You're Baby. supposed to say spoiler alert first. Can we? Do, we don't have like El Capitan for him. No, Captain America. Captain America. Are you sticking with that? Yeah. You feel good with that? I'm all right with that. You know, yesterday I had my first moment of Wesley watching a game, waiting for David Wright to bat. Now explain to me okay. what he does all when right, he's sir. waiting for a David Wright. And now does he get himself ready as if he were about to hit? He'd, no, I wish. Does that he would put be wristbands magical. on? Yeah, and... no, he's two and a half. 
So basically, he just stopped. He's asking a lot. I'm just happy he's like watching it and Doc McStuffins is not on. So he kind of is going about his business. The game is on in the background, <laughs> and he just stops dead in his tracks. Okay, there's taxes. He's got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> he's going about his business. hanging out. He's, you know, he's, he just finished dinner. Right. He's got his hand down his diaper. He's hanging out. Put the smoking jacket on. That's right. And he's like, oh, look, David Wright's up nice. All right, good. Um, and he watches? No, I I had the ball game on yesterday, and uh, he I you know I put him up to the TV. It's a David Wright's up. He knows David Wright. What number's David Wright? Five. He says it five. I I uh, here's the way I got it in with the announcer, so the guy who announces David Wright coming to the plate. Now batting number five, third baseman David Wright. And I I mean I've been hammering home David Wright. He's gonna think that's his name. <laughs> That'd be fine. Well, Captain America, Cal. That's what he called him? <laughs> it is brilliant. He said, look, Captain America's on. Uh-huh. Now pass me the, the string cheese. Let's get on with this. No, it was, it was a moment. He watched David Wright at bat, and David Wright grounded out to third, and he went, okay, next time. Wow. Yeah. He wants to, he's obsessed with the home run apple. He wants to see a home well, run. Well, because I took him to the game, he saw the home run apple. So he's like, he thinks that happens in every ballpark everywhere for everything. But what? He's but like, Daddy, Daddy, I want to see the home run apple. I was like, we'd all like to see the home run apple at this point. But what a great attitude. We could learn great from attitude. this kid. Well, Until next time. Maybe that brings us to the big unload. What do you think? I don't know. Do it. Did we just does segue? It, does, it look, does it look as scrambly as I feel? Because I, I'm having to do the cards. And I'm Fine. not well I'm not good with the card. Well I don't I think nobody would have noticed until you brought it to me. We get to see the pop up the like an opium den. Yeah. For a burger? I did. But the burger time. Let's see you eat that thing nice and clean. All right. So count Don't get the ketchup. Up. What happened on the trip in there, kid? We're not gonna talk about it. Big unload. No, okay. Sorry. 
Well, obviously the big unload uh, this week would involve the NBA Finals with Game 7 tonight and everything. A great Game 6, finally, like a good game in this series. I mean, the, uh, who had the, Scott, you had the Cobb salad, is that correct? All right, excellent. And uh, Steve had a burger. Good. We have all the orders. Are we all good? Yeah, we're, we're good now. Don't forget to tip, tip your waiters. Craig, Craig's shrugging like, where's mine? What'd you get, Craig? I got some wings. You got wings nice? Nice. Oh, I had some wings nice. All okay. right. Those, those do take a while. You don't want to rush wings. You want those things well done. Hey, look, they have fantastic food down here at Blue Haven. We're not kidding around. My brother just tucked into that Cobb salad. Like it was, you being condemned tomorrow? What happened? Did the governor not call? No, I'm making fun, and he came all the way down here. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. And he's flipping me off. That is not appropriate for a podcast. That's not, not That is not how you treat your guests. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the NBA Finals a little closer to the game. And so, what I want to talk about now is a huge week for the Mets. It was also uh, we would be idiots if we didn't mention the passing of James Gandolfini. Um, honestly, that sort of ties into something maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. But the conversation that we had that involved James Gandolfini was about the Sopranos and just about the shock of some of my friends that I I never watched that show. I watched maybe like a season. And and I have nothing against it. It was simply because I didn't have HBO. And that show existed in a time where you didn't have Netflix, you didn't have Hulu. Like if you missed it, you missed it. Until the summer. Right, and then we ran it. And now I just have zero time. Like, there's no chance of me watching seven seasons of The Sopranos. There's no chance. It's probably the only acceptable reason for you to not have watched that show. Right. Because it makes no sense. Like I said, the one year I had cable uh, and HBO, I watched the season. It was fantastic. That's like if we asked you, have you seen The Godfather? Never seen it. Is it that bad for me? Not that bad. That's an, ex- that's an extreme example. It feels that bad. The flack I'm catching right now is Godfather bad. I feel like you're catching that flack now because of what happened yesterday. Right. It's going to go away. You'll be fine. You need to get a bath. You go back into your, go back into your Mad Men world and right. you don't have to worry about it. Well, I, I want to talk about that later, though. Mad Men? <laughs> what you, what, when did you become Fred Willard, like in between shows? We just did this show last week. And now all of a sudden, I'm Martin Mull and you're Fred Willard. Good. Um, No, I want to talk about the idea that like a show like Breaking Bad, I have no chance of watching this. And I just, I can't. So your theory is that you can't go back and watch shows that have existed for multiple seasons right now. I just can't. I don't have time. Just not, it's not going to happen to you, me. And I don't know how people do it. You choose not to have time. You I don't are have ch- the time. No, 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 no. Game of Thrones is another prime. We'll talk about right. this later. Because this is a fascinating thing now with Hulu and Netflix and the, the ability. The Killing. That's another one. I'm watching No, I'm just saying, but that's, it's along those lines. Game of Thrones. The, kill, the Killing's not my, that's not my thing. Walking Dead. Good show, True Blood. Okay, maybe True Blood. I'm not watching with the vampires and the killing. I'm not watching the killing. Those promos scare the crap out of me. I'm just saying. I I, I didn't mean that show specifically. It's a, it's a part of what we're talking about. But the promo comes on during Mad Men, and I'm frightened. 
just the drama. Like, I have to change the killing with excitement. My, uh, my wife and I lost an entire weekend to Dexter. We got the DVDs for like two seasons of Dexter. We just locked the door and we didn't leave the house. You binge, you binge watch. I did. It was crazy. And then we wanted to kill people. You came out with that look on your eye. I was like, wait a minute. Right. Like those, are, those are the things that people study, like in, <laughs> like, like in, a, like in a, a psych class in college. You'd be like, what kind of person locks themselves and watches all of Dexter in a weekend? You know, we should monitor these people. You know what used to scare the bejesus out of me as a kid? Where he left his band? Where? And you used to be filled with bejesus. I was filled with it, scared it right out of me. Haven't had it since. You were lousy with bejesus. Haven't had it since. The wide world of sports opening. Does <laughs> it crash? When the skier comes down and crashes. The agony of defeat. Jim McKay gets oh, really deep. Man. And the music. <laughs> I have to run out of the room. I just want to commend you for bringing it back to sports. <laughs> Nicely done. What he does. That's what I was doing. Um, that's the worst crash ever. Scared me. And I that's was... in a time before YouTube and before X you could Games. Watch, right, but you could watch stuff like that at, on command now, in fact, you, or Jackass or something like that. You can't say that. So that was, yes, but Jackass is fine. Oh. Okay. Wow. Don't worry, Bob Costas over here. <laughs> here comes the fun police. We're going to talk about that, too. See what I did? I brought it back to yeah. That was in a time before YouTube, though. You couldn't watch crashes like that all the time. So you watch that crash weekly on Worldwide, uh, Wide World of Sports. You're like, oh, man. I can't wait to watch that next week. Um, back to the beyond mode. And the mess. You just chow. You got fries. You got pickles going. Um, so it was a big week for the Mets, and we do want to talk about this. John Presser is calling in right now, as if on cue. It's like he knew he's listening. It's like maybe he was listening. That's yeah. a chance. There's a good chance he was listening. Can I get intro music for him? Let me see. Let me see if I got it. I think he heard Dexter and called right in. We'll just do this. We'll do this. Here we go. That's good. And here to talk about the Mets. <laughs> and here to, here to talk about the Mets. Uh, he has a Jets podcast. He has a Mets blog. He has a Jets blog. He's very busy, Cal. He's all over the place, but he's good. He's been on the program before. We are ecstatic to have him back. He is John Presser. JP, what's up? What is going what's on, guys? Going on? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like honored right now. I, I can't believe I'm getting like an intro, intro music and all that. Is that was that? Did you feel good about that? I had music ready, but I just figured the J E T S Jets 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 would go. Uh, we have a great. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how anybody wouldn't get pumped up coming out to that. Yeah, this is uh, AP. This is our new Met music, by the way. That our producer pop culture DJ brought here. I'm gonna play this for you. Why? I, I'm what? seeing John Neese. I'm seeing bad John Neese things, but that song sounds like exactly what Mets Twitter is on a daily basis. People are like, yeah. why do I even come here? Right. Well, let's talk about Mets Twitter, John. You uh, and by the way, Cal and I are also in the bar here watching uh, at Blue Haven, watching John Neese walk off the mound in pain and uh, grab. Very his towel. disappointing. Yeah. 
And as a fellow John, I feel it. I feel it right yeah. in my heart when a fellow John goes down. That's it. Just take his left arm off. Good job, everybody. Uh, John, uh, why don't you real quickly tell the people that are here what you're doing. What What is Mets Twitter? What is Mets Twitter? When what is Mets Twitter? That's like an endless mad lib right there. Mets Twitter, I guess in layman's terms, would be what we call all of the people who are live tweeting Met games or reacting, otherwise reacting to Mets things, pretty much all day, every day on a regular basis. There, there are some of us who just are always, always want to talk Mets, and uh, for us poor souls that uh, converse with people all day on Twitter uh, about really anything Mets related. Uh, it's, you know, it's fun at times, it's therapeutic at times, it's actually soul-crushing, hellacious at times, but for the most part, like if you the can Mets. control your feed, it, it is, it is, Mets Twitter, I feel, it has a lot of similarities to the Mets, because, yes, you have, like, true talent there, you have some really, really good, engaging Mets Twitter peeps, and you can have some great conversations with, and you can really, you know, better your day with, but there's also, like, a lot of ungood people who really will just drag you down and are just probably would help everybody if that they were no longer there. And if you can manage your feed and kind of pick and prune uh, only the good ones into your feed and leave the, leave the rest out, you can have a pretty good time. Uh, I think it's worth it. But then again, you know, if you're a Met fan, like, you have, like, some innate glutton for punishment you know, gene in there somewhere, so maybe it's just that. John, do you think that it's like this anywhere else? Or is it just is this just a New York thing? No. I, I not only do I think it's only a New York thing, even talking to people on Mets Twitter who obviously, you know, we're sports fans, we're we're talking Mets, we're talking Jets, we're talking whatever's going on. Like I'm a Mets fan obviously if you see my Twitter handle. So basketball occasionally gets even the Knicks Twitter, which I have only peripherally seen because I follow, you know, Mets and Jets fans and that, that are also Knicks fans. I, I follow pretty much fans of every New York sport because not everybody likes the same teams I do, and I don't know, you know, why you'd want to root for the teams I do, but whatever. The the, the point hey, is, like, I even Knicks Twitter, even Knicks Twitter admits that Mets Twitter is crazier more ridiculous, more unique. I don't think there's any, I, I will honestly say, I don't think there's any sports team in this continent, in this hemisphere. I don't know how soccer Twitter is in other countries, so I'm not going there, but I would argue Mets, Mets Twitter probably is the biggest sports fan Twitter maybe in the world, possibly. It might be. We should explain what specifically Mets Twitter is. Mets Twitter is a hashtag uh, on mm-hmm. uh, Twitter uh, where you guys have... Uh, and a ton of people. And I have to admit, John, I started out at, on Mets Twitter. I can't do it anymore. I just can't. It, it it's became, not it's not terribly good for your health, I don't think. It's not. It's not. And it started to, to take away from my enjoyment of, I mean, not that there's a ton to enjoy about the Mets. But it, 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 it started to take away from my enjoyment because I wanted to engage with a number of these people. And it, it just doesn't make any sense to do so. But... You're absolutely right. There is a great element on Mets Twitter and, and sort of using Twitter what it's supposed to be or as it's supposed to be used, which is, you know, to, to bring people together that have common interests and can maybe, you know, uh, talk and have discourse and 
enjoy similar things or whatever, you know, or if you're in Egypt, maybe you start a revolution. But, uh, you know, on a much smaller sports scale, it's supposed to bring people together. And we've been talking about this a lot, John, and I, I was uh, sort of excited to have you on tonight because you do fit into this, I think somewhere you fit into this conversation about, Cal and I have been talking for the last few weeks about this seeming um, a desire of the Met and Jet fans specifically, but more importantly, the socially media savvy fans, to be right rather than happy. Mm, so, yes. I'd rather, so, you know, there are people on Met's Twitter, for example, that would rather see Zach Wheeler fail at the detriment yes. of the team than be mm-hmm. because it would make them right. And I I, I, I I know exactly what you mean, and I definitely have seen that. I've actually seen the most warped version of that, I think, which is there are some people who hate Sandy Alderson and don't want Wheeler to succeed because he's an Alderson guy, but these uh-huh. same people think that uh, Rafael Montero is being underrated and should be getting more hype than these other guys, and it's not. And, like, they're rooting for Montero, not realizing that Montero's only a Met because of Alderson. Like, the only reason Rafael Montero ever signed a pro deal was because he was discovered in one of these Dominican kickback programs that Alderson was running when he was in the commissioner's office, where they would find, like, 18- to 20-year-old Dominicans that kind of got, you know, slipped through the cracks. Because if you're 16, 17, they'll sign you. If you're, like, 20, typically... They won't sign you, and it was yeah, discovered. He, that's where they discovered Montero. Right. I didn't investigate this. I'm not going to take credit for knowing that. That's, I think, Jorge C. Castillo on Twitter. At Jorge C. Castillo, the Star Ledger, had that story of Montero in spring training. I, I love that story because it's an Aldersonian, complete Aldersonian signing, developing, and now he's th- in AAA and thriving. Uh, and he was a late bloomer that probably never would have been found if if Alderson hadn't started this program to find these right. slip through the cracks slip through the cracks type <laughs> pitchers. Hey, hey, John! All of this angst on Mets Twitter—I guess angst is the mm-hmm. best word to put. Um, it is a good word. I, I, that's what it feels like. It's very angsty. If the Mets have not been so bad for the last five or six years, do you think we'd be seeing a different tone? So what's going on? Do you think this is just everybody's been beaten down for so long that they're they're using I this? Think as so. a- I, I think that's a big part of it. Like I'd like to believe that when this plan is able to come together as you know as, you know, it's coming together slowly. It's probably slower than anybody would have hoped. I think we knew three years ago that when the Mets you know, fired Omar Minaya that they had cratered themselves for the next three, four years, no matter who. They could have brought in, like, Cashin in 1980. Like, hey, 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 he wouldn't hey. have fixed this team in three years. Oh. No one would have. Of course. I don't know. I, both I would have he, he would have fixed it. He would have turned them around. But how could anybody have turned this team around with a budget that you don't know, like, changes on a weekly basis to basically – you know, we were talking on Twitter today about, in my mentions, about Jose Reyes and the whole, you know, they were able to trade Beltran in like a once-of-a-lifetime deal and probably just felt they could keep Reyes and try to sign him. Who knows if they really ever legit, it doesn't matter. The point yeah, is. I, I don't think they ever really had a chance to sign him, John. I don't think right. that Andy expected the Marlins to go to 107 or 8 or whatever they went to. And I thought, mm-hmm. I think Andy Olison thought he had $90 million and he was going to get him. 
and he probably would have. Right. You, you bring up a great... And I think that was a good decision, you know, yeah. for the most part. As much as it sucks that we don't have a leadoff hitter or a shortstop right now, oh, I still think the Marlins... Well, what the Marlins did was kind of slick because they yeah, only the, paid him like 10% of that deal. Not, but the Blue Jays are overpaying him. He's he's a good player. He's not he's not a $16 million a year player, especially on a team that... Like, if we had Reyes right now, how good would this team be? Probably be in third or fourth place. They need these Alderson prospects to mature, and that takes a while. And I think, getting you know roundabout way back to your question, I think if this Mets team was more successful, and when they get more successful, I'd like to believe that Mets Twitter will become a brighter, happier place. When Super Tuesday happens this week with Wheeler and Harvey, basically not only living up to the hype of that day, but kind of exceeding it, I thought. I, I yeah. didn't think Wheeler was going to pitch that well, and I'm a huge Wheeler fan. And Metzler was great that day. We were so happy, and then it led into the NBA game, and that game was crazy too. And I was just sm- smiling like a goofball at the end of the night, at 2 in the morning, like, man, sports. I had a sports. big day. Yeah, it was like finally good night sports. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. Thanks. But there's always going to be that dark corner, I think. Leave a little money on the on the night table. Thank you, sports. This was a good yes. one. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, you, you brought up two very interesting points. Howard Megdal wrote a very interesting article. I've had my issues with Howard. Uh, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't say issues with him. I should say issues with his reporting. But he wrote a very interesting article today on Capital.com. He is, of course, sort of the... What, Cal, he's the go-to guy for the Wilpon stuff, I guess? He seems to be. Um, this is niche. Whether it's true or not doesn't make a difference. He writes about it all the time. But he made a great point today about Sandy Alderson basically giving his six-month notice. And just real quick mm. on this, I do want to get to uh, Wheeler and Harvey and Super Tuesday and the only good day we've had in some time. Uh, in, uh, uh, but... Did you read that article that Howard wrote about um, Sandy Alderson basically giving his six months? I didn't read it yet, and it's funny because I've been, like, tweeting with Howard, like, most of this game about, like, Reyes and Beltran and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I Most of the time, I really like his work. I, I, people have issues with him sometimes, and I can see why, but for the most part, I find him to be pretty spot on, and it, and even if I didn't read it, if, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming the six months notice thing is is about how this winter, we you know Alderson's probably been led to believe by, for a while now that this was the year that they could start reinvesting the money that's coming off the books. Whereas I wouldn't be surprised if Megdal's reporting that there are loans to pay back and that money might not get reinvested. Well, if I'm if I'm Sandy Alderson, why would I want to work in you know how how much he's already bending over backwards for the commissioner just taking this job and sitting he they want to scapegoat him is what I think the Wilpons are, have looked at Alderson as a scapegoat who can help them turn it around but is going to be the guy who is the face of them not being good I don't know yeah that's exactly what the article said it, it, just to give you the Reader's Digest he essentially mm-hmm. said Sandy Alderson said he expects to see things change exponentially in the, in the next six months. And basically, Howard Megdal took that as, he basically gave a six-month notice. You know, you've talked about mm-hmm. the $50 coming off the books, and I'd be able to spend it, and and uh, there will be changes, and, you know, essentially, uh, if that doesn't happen, I'm out of here. You know, I, I, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, you're making me promise. The other thing he said, John, which you just mentioned, which is interesting, 
is that the Wolfhounds have begun the scapegoating of Sandy, sort of deflecting. You know, in the last week we had Jeff Wolfon say that there's a plan in place and you can't change the plan and you can't just get impatient. And then Fred came out last week. You know what's great about the Fred article, the Fred Wolfon article, was like ESPN was trolling him. Like, it's nice to see that it's not just Adam Rubin trolling us. Like, they actually trolled Fred Wilpon by putting this article up that said, Fred Wilpon cares. He's bleeding about the team. He thinks that they're losing. He feels your pain. He feels your pain. And the picture that they put with the article is Fred Wilpon laughing his ass off with Saul Cap. Caption just says, Fred Wilpon feels your pain. Like, it was like an Onion article. Like, Fred Wilpon's like, chocolate, like, it's like doing a belly laugh, essentially, with Saul Cat in what looks like a shareholders meeting. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. off, and the, the caption is, Fred Wilpon feels your pain. So it was nice to see Adam Rubin trolling, uh, trolling the Wilpon as well. But, you know, yeah, he, he, the article today well, was spot on. I won't comment on Rubin because I'm just going to get in trouble. Go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> you have lobby, okay? We all have lobby, okay? Yeah. We've all... Lobby you know, is a great thing to have. <laughs> Lobby is all. I remember that that day. The, I know the anniversary is coming up next month, and all I'm going to say is stay tuned to Mets Twitter on Has Lobby Day, which is July. I, I want to say 27. I'm not exactly sure, but it's something's coming. <laughs> Getting the t-shirt made. Um, all right, now yeah. John, quick on Super Tuesday and some actual things that took place on the field. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, as somebody who's watched a lot of baseball, and of course was around in you know in the in the mid '80s when Doc and, and Daryl, uh, or Doc and Ron Darling, and that young pitching was all coming about. Harvey mm-hmm. is beyond impressive. I remember watching his debut last year. What did you take from Zach Wheeler's debut uh, uh, on Tuesday night? Was the stuff as advertised and uh, what do you what what do you think going forward? You know, the interesting thing to me is you tend to get carried away a lot uh, with comparisons. There's always like, who does this guy remind you of? And it was always hard not to compare Wheeler to Harvey just because they were like a year apart. They they're really almost on identical paths, just one year apart. And the crazy thing about about not comparing them is. I always look to pitching approach. I, as much as like I don't, I'm not a scout, so I don't, I can't speak to mechanics. I can't speak to how a guy, you know, does whatever he does. I strictly looking at the pitching repertoire, it's actually eerie how Harvey-like Wheeler is. They both throw that effortless high 90s fastball that has ridiculous movement. And to be honest. I I was just as nervous in Parnell's like mat like wizardry of a four out save in the first game. I was as nervous in the first inning of the second game watching Wheeler struggle oh, yeah. with being his with his nerves, and David Wright going up to him and said, "Are hey, are you nervous?" And that actually got him to start laughing and kind of calm down because he's the captain. That's what he does. I was so nervous for Wheeler because. And this is something I was actually talking with my dad about today, and I have not written or tweeted about. It almost feels like Zach is like the co- the collective younger brother of all of us coming up. You know, like he's Harvey's younger brother. He's 
you know, he's the he's the baby of his family. You know, his his brothers, you know, are much older than him, seven and nine years older than him, and he's the first '90s kid. He's the same age as my youngest brother, who's also born in the '90s. So, like a lot of ways, it seemed like we were seeing our youngest brother graduate to this level. And once he was able to calm down and get through that first inning, they didn't really have a lot of good at-bats against them, I thought. His breaking ball is what I'm interested in because Harvey right now obviously has that devastating slider and the curveball that he can pepper in, whereas the scouts weren't sure how Wheeler's breaking pitches were going to translate coming from the, the PCL because supposedly with the air over there in Vegas, his curveball and slider were kind of inconsistent. But with that fastball, he looks like he can get through a lot of at-bats with just the fastball like Harvey does and then start mixing it in when he when he feels he's got the handle for it. So he really exceeded my expectations for that first start. I, I thought it would have been nice to get him five innings, give up a run or two, you know, strike out a few guys. I didn't expect six scoreless with, you know, seven Ks. And the five walks were somewhat understandable. He struggled with walks his whole career. He's gotten better with the walks as he's gotten older, which leads me to believe that that's something that he's not really far off from. And Andrew Brown is my dude, but yes, the camera angle almost trolled me a little bit. I'm a huge Andrew... Andrew Brown, I've been calling for this guy to get called up. He can hit big league pitching, I'm telling you. And he, and I did, I'm not just saying that because he homered now, but he homered now, and I'll take it. Humphrey took it out the field by the game. Spoiler alert! John, yeah, you did it before. You keep getting that wrong. Sorry. John, going back to Wheeler from, from Tuesday night, he mm-hmm. has the five walks. But I, see, I want to see if you agree with this. I thought that he pitched around Freeman carefully. I thought he pitched like a veteran to Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's fair to say Freeman's their best hitter right now. Like, there's no disrespect to any of their other hitters, but he's the guy you got to get out. Yeah, All, the Uptons, the Uptons, and Hayward have holes in their swings. You can see why, you know. And this is going back to Alderson and his, you know, his uh, his baseball acumen. He refused to even put Wheeler on the table in Arizona's uh, trade talks with for, for Justin Upton. And Met fans were killing him for not getting Upton, even knowing that it probably would have cost one of Wheeler or Syndergaard. Right now, I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather have those two pitchers than uh, inconsistent Justin Upton, who's you know seems like he's always going to be. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I wanted Upton, but it's clear now he's come back to earth, and he's just you know he's not David Wright. He's not a an MVP type guy. He's, he's a very good player, and he's still very young, so maybe he'll figure it out. But I'm not gonna lie. Anytime the Braves are struggling, it just puts a smile on my face. We talked about it a ton on the show at the time. You know, what would we give up? Would we give up Wheeler? Would we give up this? You know, and and there's not much outside of Giancarlo Stanton that I mm-hmm. was willing to put Zach Wheeler in a trade for, and you saw that on Tuesday night. I think you brought up a great point about the swings and misses with Justin Bassett and the idea that he seemed to have a much better idea of what he was doing on the mound, especially after the first inning, than I was maybe led to believe that he had. Like, we had heard so much about stuff and 
and he's got great stuff, and he can he's got major league stuff, but we don't know about this, we don't know about that. Command. Yeah, we don't know about his command. And, and he seemed to, uh, and again, one start, let's not get crazy. But let's also not call it Generation A. Uh, but let's get crazy. Why not? Let's get crazy. This is all we got right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like the idea that Generation K should be compared to these kids because they're just totally. It's such a different era. We have baseball people who understand how to correctly develop prospects. For all the people who say that Matt Harvey, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent. For all the people who say that Matt Harvey is an Omar Manaya guy, guess how many pitches? Guess how many innings he threw under the Manaya regime? As many as you and I. Alderson was the one who put him into the minor leagues, promoted him when he was ready, and got him to be... I mean, Harvey is the one who deserves the most credit for being this good. No one thought he'd be this good. But I don't think he gets to the major leagues and is anywhere near as successful as he was if Omar Minaya had rushed him through the system and made him a ninth-inning, eighth-inning reliever or something. Well, that's, that's, and that's the point. Because you know, <laughs> he would have been closing. The two of us were jumping right? on that. If if Omar Minaya was here, he would have been up the year after he was drafted, because Manuel and Minaya would have rushed him through like we did with Mejia, mm-hmm. and we ruined him. So you're right. Give Sandy Alderson the credit for developing him the way that he needed to be. Even last year, when everybody thought he should have come up early in the season, or started with the team out of spring training, started with the team, and and they had the patience to. Have, there was no talk. If you remember, there was no talk about Super Two last year. This no. was it was right. strict about developing Harvey yep. and bringing him up when he was ready. And they brought him up in July when he was ready, and look what he's done in 25 starts. Yeah, I think, here's the thing, John, you know, last thing on this, and I, I want to get uh, with the Jets real quick with you, just real quick opinion mm-hmm. about uh, the circus moving up north. Um, but, you know, with, with Zach Willard and watching, you know, we've sort of been spoiled by Matt Harvey and his approach, right? Like I read an article about two years ago when he was first coming up about how he had a, a Roy Halladay type approach to the game. He was a bulldog. He, he wants to win in a worst way. And he has this great mentality. He knows what he's doing. He was the, I, I started calling him the anti-Pelfrey, right? So mm-hmm. he was strong on the mound. And I think there was a concern that Zach Wheeler was sort of Pelfrey-esque. That maybe he didn't have it all together on the mound. And maybe, you know, there was the licking of the hand. And I was just personally relieved to see a guy who, again, for his 22, 23 years, seemed very composed, seemed unbelievably fluid. Like that, I was a catcher for a long time. And I've seen a lot of pitchers or whatever. He's just so fluid. Like Harvey is not violent, but Harvey is a little more mechanical. He's just, Wheeler's just fluid. I mean, it's just, it doesn't look like he's even trying to throw the ball 98 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's funny that he'll be linked with Carlos Beltran forever, which is apt because the fastball comes out of his hand as effortlessly as Beltran could glide into the gap and, and just catch doubles. Like, something about the way Wheeler, he, I think, and I don't want to go too crazy, but let I'll go a little crazy with Wheeler. He just... He just seems like a kid who, at his age, he's, he's twenty, just turned 23 in May. He gets it. He understands what he needs to do. He understands he's not the savior. He just has to pitch like it. He tried to say it was like any other start. 
and they pressed him, and he said, okay, it was kind of a big deal. That's what he said before his game. He tried to, no, it's just another start. You know, I'm just going to do what I've always been doing. And as a, as a son, uh, you know, as a brother of, you know, another pro baseball player and in a baseball family, like, he's just, he's polished, he's ready. And Harvey, we are spoiled with Harvey because it's, it's just absurd to uh, to ever expect any pitching prospect to come up and pitch like Matt Harvey has his first 25 career starts. It's just, it doesn't yeah, happen. Okay. You're, how rare is it that we're we're in the New York market, you know, and we're talking about prospects, a prospect who exceeded the hype in a New York market. It's it's just unheard of. Well, it's a different, it's a different era. Cal and I were talking about this the other night during the game. Like, can you imagine Dwight Gooden coming up in 1984 at 19 years old Craig, why do you got to make the coke thing? Why do you got to do the coke thing? Why do you got to hurt me? I hate you. The Cubs fan. You can't do something. I don't know why. How's your championships doing? How they? Uh, how you doing over there? Your World Series title. Are they good? How's Gary Wood doing? Gary Wood doing good? How's that franchise team now? I got to hurt you now. How's that franchise work out for you there? How's Mark Fire doing? Um, no, but we were talking about the other night, the idea of, like, if Twitter and social media and blogs and podcasts existed when Doc came up. Oh, man. Or, and, you know, the hype that has surrounded these two guys is, is astounding, especially in New York, especially uh, with uh, the Mets Twitter and stuff like that, and the pressure there within that Doc didn't have to deal with. And he, looked, he didn't have to deal with that pressure. Look what happened. I know. <laughs> One could have been on top of a tower with a rifle. Oh man, Twitter! Forget about it. All he did was, you know, score smack from anybody in town. But it, it's a definitely, uh, it's definitely a different era for these guys to to make their debut in this town, and it's different than Generation K. The thing that pisses me off the most about Generation K is, you know what? As Met fans, we are made to suffer for that. We are always reminded of that. We're, there was an article on. I don't know, eight blocks the other day. Hey, 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 Met fans, calm down. Remember Generation K? Hey, look, we didn't give them that nickname. I don't remember sitting in the Newsday offices with the editors and we should call them Generation. We didn't do that. Stop making me pay. The fact that the, you know, Joe McElvain thought it was a good idea to hype these guys up. Or who, who, who was GM then? Joe McElvain. It was Joe McElvain. I did not call them Generation K. I'm tired of hearing it. And frankly, there's no reason that these two kids, and of course, we lost John East tonight. Made John, yeah. John Scott. No, no, he'll need Tommy John surgery. But um, see, I did it, Cal. You're supposed to stop me when I do that. I can stop you when I'm you do that. I'm being negative. Stop. All right. You're right. Let's get carried away again. I'm sure I was at the game where John Neese like broke his leg. Oh, oh really? They let him throw. He's had, some, oh, he's had throw. some awful luck. That injury in '09, what you're talking oh, about, that was that, brutal. Because that was the icing on the cake of all the injuries they had last year. It's like yeah. we've had all these injuries. Let's call up our top prospect. He could at least get some major league experience. Oh, his hamstring just ripped off the bone. Yeah. Well, this season's been fun. Right. Jose Reyes has diphtheria. Uh, Carlos Delgado has polio. Polio's back, everybody. 
And, uh, and now and now John Neese has ripped him off the phone. And I was there live. Oh, we were in the stand. I was actually there with Teresa. Did you? What was the day game? Oh, that we went to, and it was like, oh man. There it is, right on the infield. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Somebody should pick that up. Oh my god. might need that. So anyway. There's no reason that these guys can't be Kuzman and Seaver and Matlack. They can't be Gooden and Darling and Fernandez. There's no reason that they have to be Generation K except LOL Mets. LOL Mets. Only the Mets. Only the Mets. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got to get to uh, we got to get to the Jets and the Patriots and Aaron Hernandez. Hey. And every time I say that, I say it like Jerry Seinfeld. During the Keith Hernandez episode, Hernandez, you know Aaron Hernandez. That's George Costanza. That, that, well, that's the the his employment. All right, right. Who's a, a classic that actress? Right, like in a ton of sitcoms. She was great. You know Keith Hernandez, and of course his, her daughter is Wendy Jo Sperber. May no, she rest in peace. No kidding. No, it's not. Wendy Joseph was dead. It looks just like Wendy Joseph. But we still want her to rest in peace. All right. Costanza takes her out for a Big Mac. All right, so Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Driving around. Ask John what he thinks of what's going on with the circus moving up to Foxborough. Right. Has the big top moves up to Foxborough, John? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You'd think so, but... Let's be honest. We all know who the media darlings are and who the media punching bags are. It's the same reason why Generation K, LOL Mets, gets written instead of, wow, look at the evidence of these guys being incredibly good. It's the same thing with the Jets. Anything the Jets do. Remember how the Jets were crucified for not cutting Mike Goodson immediately because he got too drunk and threw up on himself in the passenger seat of a car? Now... Well, if you got to do your due diligence with this kid, Hernandez. Why? Because he wears the right uniform with the right helmet. And it's so sad because I have no idea what he got himself into. It sounds pretty bad. It sounds like a Michael Vick-type situation where you forget that you're a superstar athlete. You don't need to be loyal to your boys anymore. You don't need to do this stuff. To you know, to hang out with, it, I can't. I, well, the other guy. Well, we don't know about that. I mean, the best case scenario right now is that he's incredibly involved in it. Right. That's right. the best scenario. Like that's his best he's out. He's right. looking at like accessory to homicide as a best case scenario at this point. Right. So we can't. You can't rush to cut a guy like that. Though. Right. Right. You know, he he might he might not have been. It could have been a twin brother we don't even know he had, but it's Patriot right. Nation, so maybe it was Tebow. Yeah, you don't know. We can't prove that it's not. I love the immediate reaction of, this is how scarred the Jet fan base is. So this is all going on with Hernandez. And you're starting to see, like, tweets and stuff online about how now Tim Tebow will become, like, they have no Gronkowski, no Aaron Hernandez, and Tim Tebow will now become, like, a Pro Bowl tight end. Like what? Yeah. Like it's that easy? Like it's that easy to just play tight end in the National Football League? <laughs> Tim Tebow's going to decide he doesn't want to be a quarterback anymore, right? Because right. That's All of a sudden he had a change of heart. I wonder what gave him such a change of heart. 
that's Bill Belichick, obviously. Yeah. Well, that, did, you see, uh, did you see what uh, Joe Cap at, at Turn on the Jets posted? John, yeah, he's, he's, he's usually on point. Oh, uh, Joe Cap puts up immediately finds an article from, I think it was August or September of 2012, from, of course, our friends at Pro Football. Um, right, of course. About how Aaron Hernandez has turned his life around because of Belichick the Patriot way. The and Patriot he way. Wrote, he just wrote, oops. And, like, in the article, some of the comments, in the comment section of the article, are ripping the chest. Right. <laughs> like, like, Patriot fans, like, that would never happen with the other, their original foe, and, like, it's like Aaron Hernandez might have killed a guy, but what about Stephen Hill? <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. He exactly. like he might have he might have killed a guy, but well, Tebow was totally misused by Tony Sperano, so LOL Jets. You guys, butt fumble. Look, he shot a guy in the face, all right. But he didn't he, run into his center. But did he sure. run into his center, center and fumble the ball? Well, let's be honest. Mark Sanchez could have shot a guy in the face at point blank range and completely missed, so LOL Jets. That's right. Same so Jets. He would have taken aim and missed. Because Mark Sanchez out. Anytime Mark Sanchez pulls the trigger of a gun, it misfires. That's right. There it is. Good night, everybody. Yeah, everybody turns into shitty Greek when these things happen, too. <laughs> like, everybody's just got their great little one-liners. I, I was watching this unfold today, and that's another, you know, we keep coming back to Twitter, but it just really does sort of change the way you consume all these things. But It's, I was, it's quite like the pulse of the sports world at times. Yeah, it is. And I, for I was, better or for worse. <laughs> for most often, right. for worse. I had to do Usually for worse. I don't know if you've gone through this. Cal and I have. We've done Twitter purges. It's like, like a cleanse. It's like a nice cleanse. Like yeah. I feel like you took a, a colonic. Like you just you just get all the crap out of your timeline. Like I just I got rid of Ruben and Martina. Oh, we don't need to name names. Oh, I'm naming names. All right. I mean, <laughs> I just I went through it and I said there are beat writers that I follow. Why do I follow them anymore? And also bloggers, because frankly it's 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 come that way too, John. This is something we talked about uh, a few weeks ago on the show, and I want to get your take on as well because you are a blogger, you are now a podcaster, you're in this realm. It seems that some things took a turn as well for bloggers. Like it used to be, you started a blog, and this goes back to our you got to be right than happy. Thing. You started writing a Jets blog or a Mets, or you started writing, you know, the Shea Faithful or whatever because you love the Mets. Right. Love them. You had no agenda. You didn't want page views. You didn't want uh, followers on Twitter or whatever. And I think so many bloggers have gotten away from that entirely. I, I think they got a little access and they got a little taste. Look, you can always tell why beat writers are doing what they're doing. They have an agenda, mm-hmm. whether it's posed, you know, to perpetuate a negative narrative for the Jets or the Mets or whatever. It's to get page views. It's to sell papers. Okay, bloggers weren't supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be doing a blog and writing what you're writing on a blog or doing a podcast because you loved your team and you wanted an out. And I right. think, it's, I, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. I, 
it's hard because I think there's the the line between blogger and journalist is starting to blur to the point that like now newspapers have quote unquote blogs where their beat writers are putting blog style posts, you know, short blurbs and like for me on my on my Mets blog, the com, I tend to not really I don't feel like I'm blogging. I write columns. I mean, I I write long winded and sometimes I've cut uh posts in half because I thought it was it, it, no one's going to want to keep reading that. So when I'm writing like an 800 to a 1000 to a 1200 word thing, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm doing a quick blog post like Ruben blogs more than I do. Ruben blogs that Justin Turner went on the DL. That gets its own page. Like I I don't I don't need to tell you that. You know Justin Turner's on the DL. You should well, you know, the fact that you don't see him like it should be a, the point is, I try to use the blog now. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do with it. How do you know? How do you make your blog different? My my buddy at the Daily Stash, uh, Matt Falconberry, he, yeah. he he's found his niche. He, he something he, he clicked for him this year that Twitter is so awesome that we should make it part of you know the blog post and a lot of Twitter. Daily Stash has has come. It's become like an unofficial Mets Twitter blog, and I love that. He's, he's a good buddy of mine, and you know, shout out to DailyStash.net because it is a great blog. It's yep. one of the the last frontiers of pure you know blogging by the fans for the fans. And even my blog, I feel like, is more is is geared for the fans to read. It, I'm directing a lot of posts to to Mets Twitter to Mets fans, and it feels like a Mets fans blog. And you know, a lot of people write in their own ways, and it's ever you know it's anybody's own prerogative. However, they want to approach Twitter, approach blogging, approach you know social media, all that stuff. I feel like I'm in a pretty good place right now. Uh, you know, it's not making me like lucrative. It's not lucrative at all what I'm doing, but I feel like I'm in a good place with it, and I'm glad that. I've developed uh, my voice into, I think, what it is now, which is, you know, lately a lot of these analytical posts on the site where I will break down uh, some sabermetric principles as a, you know, in regards to a player. I did one about Sean Markham, did one today about Lucas Duda, where if if you look at normal stats, it's hard to judge a player, and I'd want to be able to show different situations of what some of these stats really mean and you know it's it's fun i guess and you know i i've been getting good feedback and i i like i love that but as far as blogging there's so many mets twitter people and there's so many mets blogs there's probably more than any any sport so it's it can get a little cluttered so i'm talking about the feedback that you've gotten Shed a little light on that because it it sometimes feels that it's a small segment of the fan base that is interested mm-hmm. in the analytical and, and, you know, the breakdown of the game. And the majority of the fans just want the snark and the one-liners and, you know, want to commiserate and the woe is us. So what kind of feedback have you gotten as it relates to that? I think the majority of the feedback I've gotten – on the Sean Markham and the Lucas Duda stuff is that people say thank you for for writing this, thank you for breaking it down. I understand a bigger picture now. Please keep doing this. I've had a few 
people that say, but the dude is 0-8. He sucks. I don't need other stats. If you look at the Mets blog comment section, uh, for because Maggie Wigan, who is tremendous, at Maggie162 on Twitter, she has, she's she's uh, my, one of my partners in crime as far as using using this data, using information to enlighten people, not confuse them. And she's tried to introduce the Metzball community to FIP and all these, you know, advanced pitching stats. And she's also on that bandwagon of Markham hasn't pitched well, but he has a ton of room for improvement. And the, mis- the, the adjustments he needs to make are a lot minor, I think, than people think. And the Mets blog comments on that are, I can't believe you're defending an ONA pitcher. What kind of stats are you looking at that make him any better? He's garbage. His ERA is over five. Mwah. But to me, I feel like that might not be as much of a majority of the fan base as it seems. And I think that goes back to Mets Twitter and pruning your feed to follow and chat with people who, you know, they don't, uh, not everybody I follow and chat with agrees with me all the time because then it would be, just be boring. But it is human nature, I think, to converse with people who are in the general same philosophies as you because it's just easier. And we, you know, we're not, I'm not here saying that I'm right and you guys need to listen to my breakdown so you understand better. But there is a lot of element of, People just don't want to look at the information. They don't want to break it down. They don't want to learn because they've already made up their mind that Sean Markham sucks and he's never going to be worth his contract, so they don't want to read why maybe he's not that bad. They'd rather be angry. They'd rather be, you know, the team sucks. They'd rather be this. They'd rather mm-hmm. be yeah. No, that's true. John, we're going we're gonna to run and, do, uh, and talk about the NBA Finals a little bit, but I need to uh, ask you, Arrested Development, where are you? Yes. Have you- no spoilers, but what do you think of season four? How 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 are we Okay. Doing? My no spoiler take on season four because I have seen all fifteen episodes. Seen like a couple of them. I have no. seen a couple of them multiple times. The general feeling is, I like it for the most part. I I like it. I think it was bold and ambitious the way that they structured the season where the 15 episodes all take place on the same timeline. So they're more like puzzle pieces than like a traditional season. The whole season really is like an episode. And it doesn't really start getting convoluted until you start watching it a couple times and you notice how layered the jokes are. They they spread a season's worth of jokes around the 15 episodes. And it's they had a new format on Netflix that had never really been explored in a way like this. And I think they use it to the best of their ability. It was, it was very unique. It's pretty hilarious. It's, you know, nothing was ever going to live up to the hype of the first three seasons, but it is definitely a worthy addition to the Arrested Development canon. And I'm very anxious to see what comes next, because I do believe that there is a next uh, being planned. John, how did you watch all 15 episodes? Did you watch them all at once and binge on them, or did you spread it out a little bit? I tried. I tried to watch, but I remember figuring out that when they were going live on Memorial Day weekend at midnight, it was was midnight Pacific time. So that's 3 a.m. here on the East Coast. So I did watch the first. I watched the first two at like 3, 3.30 in the morning, deliriously tired. And I think they're the least funny episodes. But when you watch them again, once you watch the whole season and then start watching them again, they get a little bit better. 
and there there is a lot of hilarity. The, some of the cameos are great. The workaholics guys, I think, were in the first one, and that scene was fantastic. Uh, it 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 really was a great return uh, to prominence for an, an just a truly elite show. Hashtag elite. I'm through eight. I think Cal is through. I'm through the second Lindsay, and uh, mm. and of course the Joe at number seven. I mean, gee whiz. I will say I think that the the the, the, the back six, the back seven are probably the best because it right. starts to make more sense, and the second Joe might be the best one. I guess. I love. Yeah. It. John, uh, tell us real quick before we let you go where people can find your stuff. Uh, you know, afaithful.com. And uh, what's going on with the podcast? When are you guys on? Oh, the podcast. Uh, I've been stu- I've been doing a uh, podcast about the Jets, one hour, uh, eight to nine o'clock uh, on Tuesday nights. Tuesdays at eight. It's called yeah. Press Coverage Jets Talk with John Presser. Because I love puns, and I was like, "Ooh, that's that's a good title." Uh, and me and Matt Falkenberry from the Stash are the co-hosts, and we got a couple other people that come on, and we just try to talk Jets in an intelligent way. And you can find that uh, really, I'm based on Twitter right now. My Twitter handle at MetsJetsNets88. Uh, the the Shea Faithfuls on Twitter at the Shea Faithful. Uh, press coverage is on Twitter at Press Cover NYJ. And uh, my football writing is, I guess that's in my Twitter bio, too. It's basically where I live now. So Twitter Twitter is, uh, for better or worse, is like my natural habitat at this point. Awesome. John, thanks so much for coming on, brother. We'll catch you down the road, all right, man? All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good show. Hey, thanks, John. So that was uh, John Presser at all those places. Guys, we're getting ready for the NBA Game 7 of the finals. Cal, I feel good about... The uh, the Mets and Jets talk there. Well, you do a lot of Jets talk, but I mean, LOL Patriots. Right. <laughs> but they get the Patriot way, though. <laughs> so they do it, got the areas in their house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some real deal criminals playing for the Patriots. <laughs> uh, uh, very good. Thank you. You like that? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, no, it was good. It's authentic. authentic. Awesome job by Presser there. That was great. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Hi. Folks here to watch the NBA Finals. We're going to watch Game 7. It's starting now. Josh is doing shots. Wow. Love it. Why not? What do you think of this Game 7? Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Look at that. Look at that. Things came crashing down. That's We're all fine. What I think of you. We're all fine here now. Everything's fine. Good crap. Hi. There's my fantasy uh, football trophy. Congrats. Um, so, Game 7 coming up. Heat. And Spurs. Can I? Can I? I want to say something that's a little. Please. It's a little sacrilegious because right. this is supposed to be a sports talk podcast. Sure. I haven't had much interest in this NBA finals, although I did put it on for the last five minutes of Game Six in overtime. But this follows the rule that we talk about all the time: Game Seven of any sporting event. You're in. I'm in. All the way. You can get in. I can get right now. I could jump into this game and, and be hooked. All right. Game seven. See, the interesting thing about this is with the NHL finals, go, you know, the Stanley Cup finals going on right now, and those 
those games have been unbelievable. Three overtime games out of the first four. Including one triple overtime. Triple game. overtime game. Game one. Like, just absolutely stunning game. And 11 goals in game four. Like, put on hockey right now. If yeah. you don't like hockey, watch it. Watch hockey now. And the NBA Finals have not been that as much until game six. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh, we got a series. This is, like, unbelievable. And, again, basketball, we we make no bones about the fact that it's our fourth favorite. It's our fourth favorite. But I can get into it. I can get into game seven tonight. Of course. Why can't you get into this? Yeah. No, I, now, it's, you know, it's, but it's fascinating, um, the situation with the Heat, because so many people don't want the Heat to win. It's unbelievable. But so many people do. They're so polarizing, the Heat. They really are an unbelievably polarizing team. Like, I'm... I'm rooting against them tonight. They, and I'm not quite sure why. I think it's because I. there's a couple of things about the Spurs coming into this game. You know, a bunch of people asked me today, like, who are you going to take? And, and who do you like? And, you know, what do you think? Who you got? Who you got? Did you get that? I got a couple of how much you bench. I don't know why that was in there. No, who do you, you like in the game? And, 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 I, and I, too, you know, caught some of game six and, and was actually into it a little bit and I don't think you can gauge a ton out of game six as far as the Heat gaining confidence or this, they came back in this dramatic fashion. I think the Spurs lost game six more than the Heat won it. I really do. Now you have the question marks about Tim Duncan being on the floor at the end of the game. Why is he not there when Ray Allen hits that big three-pointer? You know, obviously uh, LeBron James has a classic fourth quarter, but did he really? Did he really? He did. I thought he did. If the Spurs make their free throws, the series is over. We're, we're talking about John Neese's arm, you know? So, I don't know if they necessarily won that game or the Spurs lost that game. So, coming into that, coming into tonight, and also the Spurs are a veteran, ready-to-go team. They, they, if there's one team that could survive that and win on the road in this game seven, look, Tim Duncan's 114 years old. He's done this. He's like a wizard. Well, I don't know if he's... Are you sure he's not a wizard? I don't know if he's... Act- well, he might be a wizard. He is Gandalf. <laughs> he might be a wizard. I don't think he's never done this before, though. Jeff, Jeff, let me get you in here. Yeah, we're going to bring in our, our basketball guy. We have one. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I need one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's Fred... Josh. Josh, he's Fred Willard. Straight Fred Willard. Wait, he drops him in there. Put the kids in the. All right, our buddy Jess joins us uh, to talk about this. Jess, coming into this game, game seven, you've been watching this whole series. You're a huge NBA guy, huge NBA fan. My contention is that I don't know how much confidence necessarily the Heat gained from getting that game six, feeling that game six. Also, I don't think there's a huge home court advantage to be had in Miami. I mean, it's loud there and stuff, but what do they know? It's, it's very white. It's a very white audience. Very white crowd. What they're wearing. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, right. Don't get fired. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. We um, get people to answer. <laughs> no, honestly, the game's about to tip off. We're about. Give me a couple of. Uh, should we should we go as baseline as keys to the game? Give me a couple of keys to the game. Honestly, my prediction would definitely be along the lines of Miami's either going to win by 12 plus or the Spurs pull out a close game. If they get a performance from. Miami needs two guys to step up besides LeBron. 
they don't need Wade. Everyone's saying they need Wade to play well. They don't. Uh, I actually think Wade's going to play under 30 minutes, maybe under 25 minutes. Wow. They've been playing LeBron with this, uh, they were calling it the super shooter lineup. Yeah. Of Alan Chalmers, Daddy A. Trademark that quick. Uh, we'll see. I am, I am very, as I've been pulling for the Spurs, I'm not excited. Why do you think that the, that the popular sentiment is, is against the Heat? I mean, is it just, is it taking my talent to South Beach? Is it? Yeah, I think it's nobody likes, I mean, everyone has pretty much, whether you're a kid or not, have been raised on Jordan. You, you approach everything in the competitive fire. You want to step on your opponent's neck. You don't want to join up with your friends. Right. And I don't actually have a problem with it, the way they went about it because they, he still made the wrong call. He should have went to Chicago. But, <laughs> but crank will second that. The, the Bulls fan over there just jumped through the microphone. But honestly, they, they've been doing some great things basketball-wise. These are two of the best teams I remember watching. So they really are. They really do play. The games, even though they haven't uh, all been close outside of game six or whatever, they're just nice to watch. I mean, Tim Duncan's always nice to watch, except there where he gives the ball away in the paint. But he's, he's always, usually Gandalf, the wizard, is always really nice to watch. Because he just plays from a fundamental aspect. Cal, do you think in watching this, do you guys think that this uh, the theory of like you have to withstand the initial, you know, there's that thing in football, right? When you go on the road and it's a big game, it's a playoff game, like you have to withstand the initial, you know, uh, first couple of drives. Or in hockey, it's huge. Right. Like hockey, it's always the thing. Like you're on the road in a big game against maybe a team that's better, you have to withstand the initial surge. Do you think there's uh, some of that in this game? I think it's been such a game of runs that both teams have been able to withstand each other's best. The, the NBA game of runs? No. <laughs> Come on. I I don't know that it really – I think the Spurs just have to keep the game close. I, I don't know that Miami's actually come out and played that well in the first quarter at all. Um, we had a – we almost had a great situation today where Aaron Hernandez was in a white SUV being followed by the police in a police chopper with a Game 7 of the NBA Finals due that night. So I had a couple of thoughts. I wanted Aaron to stretch it into the night. Good. And then it, but it, it did bring me back to that 1994 Knicks uh, Rockets. Uh, now, that was Game 6, right? That was Game 6. Was it, was it Sunday? Saturday? Was it day game? It was not the start Friday night. Uh, two of 22 or whatever. He shot two of 18. He actually shot two of 17 in game seven. So it was two games that he played. Right. It, might game, it, it might have actually been a good job, Johnny. Good job up there. Way to go get him. He was four for 35 over two games. Good job, buddy. Unfortunately, that, that distant backup, the uh, Doc Rivers, Hubert Davis, Greg yeah. Anthony lineup did not... Uh, Doc Rivers already 52 years old. He's there uh, <laughs> that party back on the table. He's going to end up getting... I thought they negated that trade. They're saying that you can't trade a player and a coach. Right. We'll see. David Stern, he's like on eight months left. He's going to... He's going to... Did you see about this? What? Trying to trade Doc yes. Rivers? Yes. So initially they said no. Doc Rivers and Kevin Garnett. <laughs> to the Clippers. And a box of these. <laughs> Can you do this? What else are they trading? The Celtics are like, we'll throw in, I don't know, Sam Adams, like a case maybe. Magic beans. <laughs> If he, look, if it works for the NBA, David Stern will sign off on it. So. That's right. If he doesn't matter, he make it up as he goes along. And it makes them international. David, David Stern will be like, yeah, do it. I'm just going out. We get a team in Barcelona? No problem. 
<laughs> you want to trade him to Frankfurt? We're in. The Clippers also have a five-point shot available to them now. <laughs> just, go ahead. Yours. They're setting up a garbage pail, like 20 feet behind the net. And it's like Rock and Jock. I think, in, into rock and jock I think in, in your point about Aaron Hernandez, that you're hoping he would stretch it out, it's kind of revealing that he really isn't good at anything besides football right yeah. now. <laughs> he's really proven himself to be he quite very limited. He's he, quite the criminal. He did not even provide a, a television moment that we can look back on. Yeah. And that would be 20 years tomorrow? Or uh, next year, I mean? It will be uh, 19 years this 94. year. 94. It would be 20 years. He was so close to really having a seminal, sort of a defining, career-defining moment. Maybe that's what he is. Maybe he just respects tradition. Now, where are you? <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. I think he has a tattoo that's okay. It's, <laughs> I, think he has that I mean, tattoo. if you can't trust the guy who, who makes it rain in his touchdown dance, I don't know who you can. I think that guy, I think that guy has a respect tradition tat on the back of his neck. Um, <laughs> Shiroke. Wait a minute. We're completely. Where are you, Cal, watching right here? I see Go on. <laughs> Go on. There's more. Where were you watching uh, the OJ, the chase? Where was I watching it? That's right. I was home in my basement. You weren't out watching the Nick game? I was watching the Nick game. At home in your basement. In my, at home in my basement. <laughs> by itself. In the basement. And by the river. Yeah. I, I don't know who was with my dog. I don't know I just remember the picture. You weren't out watching the game. No, I was home. Why weren't you with us? I, where, where, where were you? I'm not telling you now. <laughs> I don't want to tell the story. Well, then. I called. Well, yeah, right. No, I, I'm good. He definitely called. Thanks. Did we not have pagers then? <laughs> maybe, maybe I beat you? I think you were still using the rotary phone back then. That's what it was. I was at the uh, TGI Friday. Where uh, were we? That was at Fridays. You were at Fridays? I was at Fridays with Chris Minsky. Of course. That's where I was at. That's where I was at. We were at Fridays on one side uh, with Chris O, uh, Evan, uh, Dan. Ooh, sounds like fun. Where were you? I was home. I don't know. Do you have, do you guys do you guys know that, that that night David Hasselhoff was supposed to have this big pay per view concert on television? And everybody switched over to that to, to the OJ chase. And, and that's why he blamed that's why he claims that his, his music career in, in the United States never took off because that was the big launch of it that night and nobody watched. Yeah, the Germans weren't watching the OJ show. Apparently apparently Germany turned in. <laughs> yes. That's where that came from. Well the Germans are famous for not liking OJ. Well, I mean that two thousand yard season helmet not <laughs> really helmet is not like the Spurs are off to a fast start here, by the way. Spurs are off to the fast start. You were just talking about that. May I give the... Uh, may, uh, may I give oh, the... No, we're, gonna, yeah. <laughs> Let's, we're not allowed to do play-by-play. Right. We're but the ball right we'll do Francesca. Okay, okay, here, here he comes. Here, watch down. Watch here this. Comes. Watch this. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. oh, Almost had it. Bad shot. Can't believe it. There it is again. We did... Um, Victor, put it up. When I was a kid, we used to do Marv Albert all the time. You'd be watching a Nick 
Bulls game, like big game, and Marv Albert. Do Marv Albert. We work so hard on the Marv Albert. Yes! And a facial. A I, facial by Ewing. That's, yes. I think that's the reason why I wasn't with you guys. That's right. I did not have enough of the Marv Albert. You do Marv. I could do Steve Albert. But the great thing about Marv was always that, you know, like they'd be playing the Bulls and Jordan would get a basket, like just right off the bat, and Marv was ecstatic. But the line was, here's Jordan off to the fast start. He's got two. Like, Marv, we just got going. We just let relax. Jordan. Yes. Yes. Michael Jordan off to the fast start. He's got three. There's only three points in the game, Mom. Spurs fan. Oh, we have a Spurs fan here. All right. Welcome. Are you from Texas? You're not from Texas. Oh. All right. So is my wife. Let's just talk. Wow. Very shy back there. So we have some Spurs fans watching the game as well. I imagine they're rooting for the Spurs, like most of the nation. I didn't know Josh was plus two. <laughs> yes, Josh, off to the fast start. He's got two. See what he did there? He's three five games. That's it. He runs, he runs from ahead. Um, so the other thing with this game I want to ask you about, Jess, is that these are, these are I think, the two best teams. I think it's come down to the two best teams. That rarely happens in a championship series. We have it going on in hockey right now, too. I think those are the two best teams. I think the Hawks and the Bruins are the two best teams. Where does this fit? There's been a lot of talk about Duncan's legacy. This would be his fifth championship. Where does this fit for you? I think it has. Can you a, rank it? I, well, I think it has a huge impact in terms of how many players' legacies it could alter. I think LeBron will have a hard time ever getting back to the Jordan level, regardless of MVPs, if he doesn't. You can't lose finals when you have a comparable team. Right, um, and that's what that's what I was going. Like, Wade, Wade is a great team. Duncan is already, I mean, whatever you want to call him, best four of all time. He's the knock on Duncan has always been the knock in legacy wise. Not he's one of the top ten players of all time. He's, when they when they do try to knock him, they say, well, they didn't win consecutive, or they didn't win against the best teams, or uh, thank you, Craig, thank brother. Absolutely. Craig, the Chicago fan's taken off. All right, be careful. You're going to make some sausage nice. All right, listen, if you're biking, be careful. All right? Goggly goods, go get a sandwich. Uh, our buddy Craig. But that's one of the knocks on him. They've never won consecutive championships. They they didn't, and Duncan, they didn't beat the best teams. Yeah, I mean, they've had, they had the strike shortened, win against the Knicks. I don't. They had. They beat the Pistons. I, I don't think you can criticize somebody for it. It's how many rings I you agree. end up winning. Right. You have four rings in the modern era. When there's, I mean, we had a conversation about dynasties today. I want to get your guys' take on it. I wasn't in that one either. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at home in your basement today? Tell me more about this conversation. <laughs> Chris Mitski and I. Well, yeah. Hang on. Right. The uh, no, but the idea of a dynasty in sports to me. Is has to do with consecutive championships and then championships in a certain amount of years. So you say like uh, the Bulls were six championships in ten years, right? Was it ten or even nine? Maybe. First one was ninety-one. The last one was ninety-eight. Not so. So eight years essentially. Right. Six 
championships in eight years. That's a dynasty. Okay, the Spurs, if they win their fifth tonight, will be five in 15 years. Right? Yeah, fourteen di- or fifteen. That's yeah. a dynasty. Not a dynasty. That's count. a dynasty. It's not. I think it's ten other teams have won in that time. That's not not ten though. Nine other teams have won in that time. Lakers have won. Have but I'm saying more. it's not yeah. a dynasty. That, 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 it's, a, it's an it's an all is it an all time team during Duncan's reign? Yes. It's not a dynasty. I think it's a dynasty. Well, there, there's such different there's different players, so I understand where you're coming from because there's. There's, there's only one player that's been on all. Who would have been on all five? That's Duncan. And that's Duncan. And the coach. Yeah. And the coach. But I, think, I think the coach ties it together to make it a dynasty. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about the coach. You're right. That's a good point. You should have called yeah. me when you had this conversation. <laughs> You're in your basement with a dog again. Yeah. That mother impression better be stupendous. Yeah. I've been working on it for 19 years. Calvi in the basement. Yes. Off to the fast start. Petting his dog. <laughs> that's not a euphemism either, by the way. <laughs> you, were, you were petting the dog. I was literally. Were you checking the way for wire? No, I, uh, I think this dynasty conversation is interesting, and it goes by sport as well. Because if you, so here's a here's a, a good example to me. The Mets, naturally. So the Mets from '84 to '91. That's not a dynasty. Not even close to a dynasty. Yeah, they, they only won one. They won one. But they won 90 games. Doesn't matter. 90, 95 games. Can't be have of those eight years. Can't be classified as a dynasty. Exactly. Though. Because the championships are not there. You have to have the championships. So right. Five wins in 15 years is not a dynasty. They've won five times, though. In 15 years. But how Man. many? Oh, are the Patriots a dynasty? Yes. Three wins. All right. They've been to two others. Brady and Belichick. I think that that's what I I see what you're saying, but I think Spurs that, haven't been to others and lost either. That makes them even better. No, that makes them less of a dynasty. Uh, oh, I don't care for your dynasty talk. You know what's a dynasty? Wooden at UCLA. That's a dynasty, my friend. Well, obviously, yes. You know what's an even better dynasty? The New York Islanders. The Islanders were a dynasty. Four straight Stanley Cups, five straight trips, twenty right. nineteen straight playoff series wins. I think that's a yes. Yeah, the dynasty. Yes. We're right about that. Did I ever tell you the Marv Albert uh, story when he got... You guys will like this. So he, you know, Marv got accused of doing some things with some people. And one of them was biting. Apparently Marv likes biting in his little, you know, his things. He doesn't bite with his with, with the women that he was with that maybe weren't his wife so much. Yes. Biting. Yes. So I went to, when all this came out, I went to a Jets-Bengals game in Cincinnati, and this is 97, and he's doing the game. And so we brought a sign that says, hey, Marv, fight me. And they put it on the local news. I, I think I had uh, uh, Marv rules. That was it. I gave him the compliment on the front side, and the back side was fight me. And so the camera's on us, and I got, like, more rules. Yes, like, in parentheses. And then I turned it around, and it would bite me. And we were on the local news. In Cincinnati. That's right. It was a slow news day in Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. A slow news day. You don't have the recording of that game, do you? I don't have the recording of that game. I'm VHS. I didn't set my my VCR 
It's on a tape with the Golden Girls. I used to watch the Did you take over my Golden Girls? It's on your Golden Girls. This game is off to a really uh, interesting pace. Uh, teams missing shots, teams not really getting set up. It looks a little frenzied, Jess. What do you make of the first uh, nine minutes? A lot of turnovers. Very sloppy so far. Is still playing the basketball? He's not that old. Again, they haven't played Chris Anderson a lot the last two or three games. Right. Battier is part of the super shooting lineup. Okay. How old is Shane Battier, Jess? What do you got there? I was like 37? 38? 7? So he's an old man like us. He's not Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard, so they don't even let Juwan Howard wear the uniform anymore because of his ugly knees. <laughs> they don't even let him break those down. Right. Juwan Howard puts the shorts on and like, dude, cover that up. That's awful. All right. We should we should take this to uh, a logical conclusion. You want to wrap? Or do you want to do the, the fun load? You, you decide. You do the fun load real quick? You're in charge. Okay. Well, I mean, people are watching the game. They're enjoying themselves. Thank you. Once again, we're at Blue Haven. Thank you so much to Blue Haven. Uh, thank you uh, to Deermid and Rory and all the guys. I'd love to get Deermid back here. Deermid around? Is he still here? All right. Deermid, one of the owners of the place, uh, who loves to talk. He, I walked in tonight, Cal, and he goes, we got, we like, ah, oh, they did say that. Very intimidating with the Irish dialect, too, by the way. I know. Very intimidating. I felt like I needed to give an answer immediately. And then he asked you how much you bench. <laughs> but it was with the Irish, with the pros. How much you bench? Your boss. And then I'm, suddenly he was in U2. I didn't know what was happening. Um, do, you have a, do you have a fun little idea? a caller. Let's take it. It's a 323 number. Let's go. Let's go to Los Angeles. Let's see who it is. I don't know who this could be. Doc Rivers calling from Los Angeles? It could be Doc Rivers. Sit with us. Welcome to Ready to Unload. Who might this be? Hello. 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 Um... Is this the RTO? You? Why? It's both. All three? It's all of those things. I heard you were talking about uh, the Marv Albert. Yes, we were talking about uh, the Marv Albert. I just you know, I wanted to share with you um, the Marv Albert. He's my therapist. <laughs> we're going to do a routine now? Is that what I'm doing? I'm he sorry, is, what? He's, yes. He's your therapist. Oh, you sound like him. Very good. <laughs> what did, What was Mark Albert's advice uh, for you? How How did that go? I, I could share it with you. Please. <laughs> I, 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 I have, you know, I have a recording, like, you know, of my uh, my therapy. Right. Okay. I'd like to share it. Please. You know, it's a thing Marv Albert said I should do is share. Oh, if it helps you. All right. Uh, which one is this? Is the is this is this the Calpe or the or the San what? It's the uh, Calpernicus. Hey, like the uh, the astrologer, oh. right? Astronomer. Right. Got like it. Looks, yeah. Like astronomer. Yeah. yeah. My my name's Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi. Hi. Would you, I'd like to share. Would you like to hear? Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, we would love this. All right. Really. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Do you hear that? Ready?
I'm sorry, did you hear that? It's a little it's a little low, Matt. It's it's a little difficult to hear. You may have to if you could just maybe I could do it with you. Maybe I could reenact it with you. Oh, we're gonna do that now. Maybe maybe I could do that. Maybe I could play the part of your therapy. I, I'm open to it. I, I'm just a little concerned I might, you know, open up a little too much, you know, on, on blog radio. Well, I'm just I think that's what we're looking <laughs> for. Blog radio. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you one simple question. As Mark. Are you laughing? Are you, You're laughing at me. I, is, I, I feel. Uh, we're laughing near you on the radio. All right. All right. You're with me, <laughs> though, right? Because, you know, I like you guys. You're very um, personal. All right, you ready? Yeah. Thank you to uh, uh, hold on. Our, our our buddy Scott is leaving. Scott the Islander fan. We'll talk Islanders definitely. Probably October. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Matt, who hurt you? My uh, my wife heard me. <laughs> she heard you. <laughs> You asked, you asked if who hurt me. I said my wife hurt me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would love to hear the rest of this, but we have PJ on the line. Can we go talk to PJ? Um, you, your mom is very good. You just, you know, you're a little too sensitive for me, though. I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to work. Maybe PJ's nicer or less nice. I don't know. Hold on, Matt. All right. We're we're also contractually obligated to go to PJ whenever he calls. That's right. Is he is he here? Is is the bishop here? Is what? He... There's no music. Oh no. God! Oh, show up an hour and a half late and expect music. <laughs> I expect music and food. Are you kidding? He's... You show up late, you come empty-handed, there's no need. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. Ah. Hey, everybody. Hi. Well, now you got going to turn the music down because I can't hear you. Right. Right. My fault. How's that? Is that better? That's beautiful. PJ, how is the Taekwondo? Oh, someone's living with a blue belt now. Wow. You guys got a blue belt. Yeah. We're watching NBA Finals there, PJ. We miss you. It's all oh, that's amazing. Up. Yeah. Hot that's action. Amazing. We're going to talk I know, about... I know the name of exactly one athlete in that league. <laughs> and, and I believe he is in that game. That's LeBron James, I'm guessing. LeBron James, yes. I believe it's pronounced LeBron. Not sure. Agree to disagree. Let's move on. You called in right. just in time. That we were going to do a really quick fun load, and then we're going to get out because people are watching the game. Oh, please, let the people watch the game. Tell me what the fun load is. The, the fun load was just uh, what we had talked about—that idea of movies and and uh, and you know being aged. But I think we're going to save that for next week. What I'd like to talk about with the uh, the tragic passing 
James Gandolfini wow. was. We we got into talking about watching series and being able to like watch a series now. And I know you know Jay uh, Mafali. Jay, thank Mafali. you. It was nice enough to you. He was talking about how he and his wife binge watched Dexter. Oh, one I have not seen. Cal, uh, Cal, I, I was I was saying to Cal Peach that I can't do this anymore. I have no opportunity. So, give me the shows that you have never watched that you would binge watch. If you had the oh, show. oh, easy. Because there are so many. I could I could just rattle these off all night. You know how many years I've been out of the TV loop? I, I'm guessing you've been out of the TV nine and a half years. Does, do I need to name a show that's been completed or a show that's in process? I, just, I want to hear five of them right now. Completed. No, no, completed. Got to be completed. Because this is all about The Sopranos and the fact that I was never able to watch The Sopranos at the time, being poor, no HBO, I don't need to tell you my sob story. I didn't have it. Couldn't afford it. That's it. It was either right. sport. Here's the deal, PJ. You have disposable time on your hands. You can watch whatever you want to watch. I want to hear what five shows you're going to watch from start to finish. Completed. Okay, the first one is completely embarrassing, and that is uh, Angel. But you watched the- it. It was on. It had to be sure to watch when it was on. No, he watched Buffy. Oh, my bad. I was a huge I was a huge Buffy guy, so but I've never seen Angel and I and I, I think I'd like to see Angel. Okay, so Angel is number one. Okay. Next, a show that used to creep me and and, and I was never able to watch it without having nightmares, but I want to see all of it is Dark Shadow. All right, sir. The original? Absolutely absolutely have to see uh Dark Shadow. Okay. The Rockford Files. I want to see every Rockford Files because it was awesome. Rockford Files. Really? Yes. Are you sure you're not in Ben Folds 5? <laughs> Are you sure you're just not trying to use that as an obscure reference line in a song? Are we sure? No. Okay. Number three is Rockford Files. <laughs> I, you know what? You're disparaging me now. And Rockford. I can feel it. Rockford Files. At <laughs> Fantasy Island? Josh apparently was just a piece. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, Josh. I didn't know. I didn't know you'd be a big Jimmy Garner guy. You're big Jimmy Garner guy? Not really. Not really. I, mean, I like his early work. Like Gun for what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like PJ's next one is going to be McMillan and White. <laughs> no, the, the next one is uh, one that you mentioned last week, St. Elsewhere. Oh, okay. All right. I I, I love that show, but I, I I got away from it and uh, never got to see it. And the last one would be I want to see every episode of Hill Street Blues. Hold on. Hold the on. Leighton hijacks the show. <laughs> yeah, no, doesn't even listen to the co-host. Hold on. It's with the heavy hand. What has seen elsewhere? I want Jay on the show. Maybe even Steve, if you like. Why do the shows? You don't really know very well. They're from the 80s. You probably never watched them. Why do they have this reverence? It's automatic. Oh, they elsewhere. That's the golden age of TV, right? No. Oh, not that was the golden age of That was the thing with the red man, wasn't it? St. Elmo's. St. Elmo's. Oh, 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 St. Elmo
why do we say these shows? We're like, oh, yeah, of course. Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, yeah. Of course. You can feel. I have no theories except uh, I used to read uh, People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly, and they liked them. So I decided they must have been good. TV Guide gave it a lot of cheers and not a lot of jeers. I would like to watch every episode of Family Feud, the Richard Dawson years. That's predictable. Okay. Boy, if that doesn't make me feel welcome, I don't know what does. Wait, what number are you on? Four? We missed your last one, PJ. The last one I said was Hill Street Blues. Is that number five? That's number five. That's cliche, though. Can you come up with another one? Absolutely. Give me another one. You want you want to do genre? We'll, uh, we'll pick me one comedy, one crime drama, you know, like that. Yeah. What was that hospital drama? That that ill-fated hospital drama. It came on the same time ER came on, and it lasted Chicago like Chicago Hope. Yeah, with Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, yep. Chicago Hope. That didn't do very well. I'd like to see whatever they made of that. That's that's really good deal. Do you want to extend them one fantasy season to see if they could they could round out the show and make it and really tie it up? Yeah, I do. Right, we'll give them the benefit of a doubt of 20, 20 more episodes. How about you know what, what, what they could do it with just one of those made-for-TV movies where they wrap it up like a Gilligan's Island movie, like you know where someone plays Ginger or whatever. Because they won't get Manny Patinkin. No, no. no. Get Manny Patinkin in the TV movie wrap-up. Of Chicago Hope. <laughs> Maybe a Stanley Tucci? I like it. I like what you did there, and I like it. And then someone will make an comment about how he looks different in one of the last songs. Give us a lead to it. Can we get Roseanne Barr's daughter? Remember they switched daughters in the series? You have the two Beckys. Let's get one of the Beckys in there as well. Just, you know. How about both yeah. Beckys? I'm up both. for maximum Becky. Right. Like, which actually. Oddly enough, that was the uh, the name of my college band. Maximum Becky? Maximum Becky. Maximum Becky. Becky. <laughs> I, uh, I can only see who's on our You go back to the bathroom. We're having a discussion nice over here. We got this. We got this. Yeah, Keith, give me, give me a comedy. A uh, comedy that I would want to see beginning to end that I have never seen before? that you've never seen an episode of, but you want to see the whole thing. You're going to sit down and watch the entire thing right now. All right. Well, this, this might blow your mind to know that, I, that I've never seen an episode, but I would, I would go with Perfect Strangers. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Really no, I think my dad was always watching something else, and I was just never allowed to watch it. Your dad's a very smart person. You know <laughs> Have I that chosen one. poorly? I think, you know, the other thing, <laughs> I was going to talk about the idea, too, that I, I just will never have time to watch these shows, and it's unfortunate that I, I don't think I'll ever be able to watch The Sprint. Like, I, I, don't, I just don't think I'll ever have the time to sit down and watch seven seasons of The Sprint. I don't think I'll be able to do it. 
And it's, you know, there's just too much sports. Too much sports to watch. But I'm not. I'm also not a guy who watches on the commute. Maybe I should. Jay, you have a long commute. You know you come from upstate. Are you going to watch a TV show like ingested on the commute? Do we have... Um on Hulu Plus, do they have the old Hulk series with Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby? Yeah, I hope so. Because that I would like to see. I never got to see those all the way through. And as a kid, you got a big green monster. Who would like that? Wait, would you watch that on your commute? Yeah. Or is your commute reserved for other well, well, let's, let's see. How long is that show without the commercials? 48 minutes. I could make that work. I could do that on the commute. 48 minutes. I could do that. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Oh, there it is. Uh, you know, San, San Pete, seven seasons of The Sopranos is not actually a lot of time. It they is. were not long seasons. Right. Twelve episodes? Ten or twelve, yeah. I can't believe you can have beat me. I said current. Right. I said already finished series. All right, that's fair. Cal, would you put Mad Men when it's done? I, uh, I've always wanted to get into it. Same thing. Can't I can't seem to find the time to, to fit it in. Can't go left. Can't do it. I I, I just I just like I'll never be able to watch Breaking Bad. I just won't have the time. Maybe I'll be fifty. I just won't have the time. How about Lost? I watched the pilot. The pilot was amazing. Amazing. I could not be less interested in a television series than Lost. Yeah. It's just too confusing. I, I, need I need a Venn diagram. I need... You have, gotta be you, have to, you have to watch that right from the beginning. I need okay. to take a clap on whatever I'm going to jump into a quick episode of Lost. Hey, did you guys study for Lost this week? I don't want to have to go to community, community college to take a clap. I'm sorry, guys. I can't watch the game. I've been at the library yeah, studying. Bad, guys. I'll be, uh, <laughs> Can I get your notes? <laughs> CJ, we're going to wrap up the episode here because people are dying to watch the basketball game. But, Do it. Uh, I, I did want to get uh, your your feelings about, really quickly, uh, the, the news of Scandalfini. Really quick. Seriously. Of what? I didn't hear you. I wanted to get. I wanted to get your honest feelings about because you usually have a very good take on this, what it means to pop culture, what it means to you individually, and I wanted to get a sort of. I wanted to take your temperature on James Gandolfini's past. Oh, uh, he actually still remains underappreciated because uh, too much focus uh, right now is going on to the Tony Soprano role, which was. Gangbusters and and wonderful, um, but I think once people start settling back and seeing some of the smaller roles that he did, um, and they start to really see his range, he's actually going to grow in people's eyes. Like like what? Give us an example. Uh, um, well, <laughs> the the first role that came to mind was a gangster, so that wasn't good. Um, Second uh, True Romance. He was he was great in True Romance. Um, but uh, the the one where he plays the prison warden um, is, is great, and um, there's another one where he plays a general. Um, uh, uh, in, in the Mexican, right? Doesn't he play the gay hitman in the Mexican? With uh, with Brad Pitt. I mean, they're all great roles, and they had more nuance than they gave him credit for at the time. I the first time I saw him was uh, True Romance. 
like the first time I really recognized like seeing him. And in when the Sopranos first started, I'm like, that's the guy from Corona. Yeah. yeah. You didn't watch Sopranos. Dude, I knew when it happened. Okay. I watched episodes. I just didn't watch it. I probably watched 22 episodes. I hope that he's had, You know, does he have anything in the can that we know about that hasn't come out yet? Like he, I he, well, he was filming something, wasn't he? Oh, that's rough when they're not done with it. You know, sometimes uh, somebody somebody dies and they've, they've just finished like a decent work or something. Well, the, you get to look forward to that. But now when it's like not done. The worst example of that where he's been a who was a brilliant actor. Last work. Like the only thing, because he died very suddenly, and the only thing he had in the can, like, or, or like, uh, E-Man, or it was just something awful. Like yeah. His last movie was just not worthy of Raul Julia. It was a gig. Yeah, yeah it was like, a gig. It was like, a, I need a pool. Like, right. you know, one of those. <laughs> and you just hope that James Gandolfini's last gig wasn't like, Put it back. Put it back. Right. I uh, it was it was it's interesting. It is the reaction to it is interesting. It is as an Italian American with a big Italian American family, and you know, sort of, and also he was a huge Jet fan, a huge Jet fan. Yes, I, I saw him many a time at Jet games when I had my season seat. We would see him wandering around on the lower level and stuff, and he was like a genuine Jet fan. Yeah. I mean, he was like a real Jet fan. Uh, Peach, we're going to move to the end here and wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. It would be great if you were in front of the soundboard here to play the end music. But that's all right. I'll... In the meantime, let's say thanks to this.
Yes, PJ. Yes, final on those. Yes. Gone. No, he left. He just walked he out. Thank you.